Welcome to Expositional Excerpts. I'm your host, Matthew Pilch. I pastor Grace Fellowship Baptist Church in Port St. Lucie, Florida. Let's dive into the Word. In today's episode, we will be looking at the last few verses of Genesis chapter 23. That's verses 17 to 20. And this is under the literary unit that is talking about discussing the death of Sarah, Abraham's wife. And we looked at the portrait of a life of faith, a woman of faith uh, in verse 1. We looked at the fact in verse 2 that death visits all. In verses 3 to 16, we looked at what life begins to look like after death for those uh, who are left behind. And now in verses 17 to 20, we see that all business, even painful business, can be accomplished in such a way as to glorify God. Verse 17, so the field of Ephron in Machpelah, which was to the east of Mamre, the field with the cave that was in it, and all the trees that were in the field throughout its whole area, was made over to Abraham as a possession in the presence of the Hittites, before all who went in at the gate of his city. After this, Abraham buried Sarah his wife in the cave of the field of Machpelah, east of Mamre, that is Hebron, or Hebron, in the land of Canaan. The field and the cave that is in it were made over to Abraham as property for a burying place by the Hittites. So we are saying that all business, even painful business, can be accomplished in such a way as to glorify God. We note, first of all, the location. This is the field of Ephron in Machpelah, east of Mamre, actually southeast, technically. And remember that Abraham was living by the oaks of Mamre, that is north of Hebron, where Sarah died. And so that really kind of forms a little triangle where she died, where he was, and where this cave is. It forms this nice little triangle. This is kind of in the southern region of uh, the area, you know, that is the promised land, the land of Canaan. And uh, we've talked about that geography a little bit before. Uh, With regards to the actual cave itself and everything, he gets all that he had outlined in the preceding section. And we go back and and say that, remember, he comes with a proposal. He's not asking them to figure it out. He knows exactly what he wants. And he said this in verse 8, If you are willing that I should bury my dead out of my sight, hear me and entreat for me Ephron the son of Zohar, that he may give me the cave of Machpelah, which he owns. It is at the end of his field for the full price. Let him give it to me in uh, in your presence as property for a burying place. So he's asking for the cave. And Ephron answers him and says, I give you the field, the cave and uh, that is in it. And so then, you know, there's this back and forth. He says, if you, if you will hear me, I give you the price of the field. And then he discloses the price. What is this? You know, land worth 400 shekels, about $4,000, we said uh, in the previous episode. So now he's getting everything. He's not just getting the cave. He's getting the field, the trees, everything in it. And that was the price of it. So he gets that. uh, It's in the southern region. It is in the area where he is living now. 
uh, kind of in the what we would call the Negev, uh, the, the southern desert region of Canaan. Now, the only land that Abraham ever technically owned was this land. That's a very interesting thing as well. Even though all the land was promised to him, and technically he was the one in God's eyes and in the future who was over that land, not uh, not the Canaanites, not the Hittites, not their kings, not Abimelech. No one was, even though they, they thought in their own minds that they were over it, he was the true inheritor of it because God had promised it to him. And yet we see from a temporal standpoint that he really wasn't. He's a sojourner. He's a guest in that land. So from a technical standpoint, of course, we look to the book of Hebrews and we recognize that he was a pilgrim. He was a sojourner. He was what we might call a vagabond or something like that. And, and we borrow from the terminology from the book of Hebrews chapter 11 to talk about our faith and, and how we should view our journey in this, in this world and on this earth. It doesn't matter what country you're born into or what culture. If you are Christ's, this earth, you should have a very loose attachment to it and all the things that are in it because you know that your true home is your heavenly home. And that's what we read about for Abraham in the book of Hebrews. We read this in Hebrews chapter 11, starting in verse 8, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. Here it is, verse 10, for he was looking forward to the city that has foundations whose designer and builder is God. And then it goes on to talk about Sarah and her faith and and so forth, and, and then more of Abraham's faith. But the point is, is that he never fully got to realize the promise that God had made to him regarding the land. And it is quite noteworthy in this little section that this little cave here where he buries his wife and where he himself will be buried when he knows that his time is upon him, he's going to make those instructions. Uh, This is where he will be buried. This is really the only land that Abraham ever owns. Doesn't mean that he wasn't wealthy. He was a very wealthy man, had a lot of possessions with regard to how wealth is measured in those days. And he had servants, male and female. He had and strong alliances with uh, with peoples in the lands so he could fight wars and do all those things, but he never actually had a land. That whole time he's living out of tents, as we just read in the book of Hebrews. Now, bringing it back here to the text and this final point, we have to remind ourselves that this is not merely a business transaction. This is something that it was necessary to take place after the death of his wife. He's still in mourning. He's grieving. He's hurting, obviously. And life does go on. It really could almost be subsumed under the previous point that life goes on after death and arrangements have to be made and practical things. And we discussed some of those things, but now we see in the preceding section, the laying out of it, the plan for all of it. And now we see it actually coming to fruition here in verses 17 to 20. And what we see is that it all happens decently and in order, and it happens as it was outlined. 
Uh, he's making a reasonable request. He's making a well-known uh, and thought-out, uh, well-thought-out request to the, the Hittites here. His offer is accepted. The money is transacted. And now everything changes hands. And so even in difficult times, it is possible to do something in a way to glorify God. And the broader principle here, uh, not only in mourning, but is that everything that we do should be done to glorify God. And we know this from the New Testament, whether you eat, therefore, or drink, do all to the glory of God. And so we get that principle that tells us, and it's not just about eating and drinking, it's actually everything that we do, whether it is we're paying our bills or how we go about our daily business and, and our daily jobs. Those are things that we ought to be doing in a way to glorify God, how we speak to our neighbors, how we interact with our children, uh, how you know we interact with other people in the church. The decisions that we make in the supermarket, in the public library, all of those things should be done to glorify God. All business, even difficult things. I mean, you might find yourself in a supervisory role, and you might find yourself in the uncomfortable position of having to bring discipline in a situation and uh, perhaps some remediation with a subordinate employee. And that's not going to be received well. You know that. But there is a way that you can approach that so that you're not causing more offense than is necessary. And, of course, they may be suffering from their own things that are going on and their own decisions. But you don't have to add to that. There's a way in all of those things to glorify God. And, and that's really the point. That whatever we do, even in difficult circumstances, even when we're in a state of mourning, in a state of grieving, even when we have been hurt deeply, uh, we can still respond in such a way as to glorify God. And just watching Abraham wrap all of this up, take possession of this land, maintain good contact and good uh, you know, good relations with the people of the land in, in which he is dwelling with the Hittites, maintaining these alliances, uh, we see all of this coming to pass. All business, even painful business, can be accomplished in such a way as to glorify God. That will conclude our discussion of Genesis chapter 23 and talking about the death of Sarah We'll leave it there and start in on chapter 24 in our next episode. This has been another podcast of expositional excerpts with Pastor Matthew Pilch. If you'd like more information, please visit our church website at gfbc.net.